Welcome to Our Creator Calls, where we seek truth together. Are we being visited by aliens? Have you ever heard about alien abduction? Research polls through the years have shown that as many as 5 million people from various faiths and no faith at all may have experienced some form of this phenomenon. That's a lot of people. So you have to wonder what's going on. UFO researcher Joseph Jordan asks that question regularly as a president and co-founder of the Christian Investigation and Research Team, CE4 Research Group. It claims that alien abductions are a close encounter of the fourth kind. What Joel and his team have uncovered over 25 years of research and 600 so-called cases of the alien abduction experience is an unwanted piece of the UFO puzzle that even the UFO community doesn't want you to know. In his book, Piercing the Cosmic Veil, You Shall Not Be Afraid of the Terror by Night, Joel presents what he calls the most powerful evidence in the world today showing the true nature of the UFO alien abduction phenomenon. A voice, a voice calling in your wilderness. Well, thank you very much, Joe Jordan, for joining me today on Our Creator Calls. It's been 13 years since I first met you at that last day's conference in Nashville when, uh, yeah, we we dealt with a lot of things at that conference. And that's when you first... When I first heard your story, your testimony of how you became a Christian after doing research into UFOs. So can you share how that happened? Because that's not something that happens very often. <laughs> no, it's uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, no, I'm probably one of the fewer people that can say I came to Jesus through UFOs and uh, that surely turns some heads when you say that, you know, but it gets, it's an avenue to, to be able to share your testimony also. Um, well, it all started way back, uh, 92. Um, I was hardworking guy trying to raise my son and, uh, focus was pretty much just on things of life. I had no interest in the UFO subject at all. Did not pay any attention to it, did not follow it, did not read stuff on it. Uh, Closest thing I could get to that was I was uh, an avid science fiction reader in high school. But science fiction, I did know what it was. I did know that it wasn't reality. I knew for a fact that there was a definite dark black line that separated reality from fiction or fantasy. And I'm glad there was because it gave me an opportunity to escape, you know, and I think that's why most people read nonfiction is it gives them the, an opportunity to escape from the reality, from all the troubles and trials that we go through, uh, even just for a time being to me, I could escape to a far, far world, you know, off in the galaxy somewhere with all sorts of activity and adventures, and then always come back to reality and do what I need to do, go to school, do my work at the, you know, at the house, whatever. So that's how I started into all of this. Um, Always had an interest in science, astronomy, especially. 
um, geology, also archaeology. Uh, living overseas, I had an opportunity to see a lot of the ancient places, you know, and, and walk all over them and, you know, see the sites. So uh, a keen interest in all of that. But when it came to this UFO stuff, that was kind of an accidental introduction. Uh, I was on my way to visit my brother in California, in, uh, Alaska at the time. Um, he was stationed up there in the Air Force. And I was traveling up there to uh, visit him, had my son and my mother with me. And my son was going to see his cousin, so he hadn't seen, you know, and uh, going to spend some time. And it was a vacation time for me from the boat company I was working at at the time. And that 10-hour trip to uh, Alaska was probably going to be pretty miserable, especially since we didn't have all the electronics and stuff we have now. So I figured I better get something to read from the kiosk in the uh, Orlando airport before I got on the plane. So I'm looking around, and this book jumps out. And I'm looking at it. And I said, oh, this looks like a science fiction book. On the cover, it did. But then I turned it over to see what it was about, read the synopsis of it. And it said it was about a scientific investigation, um, not a fictional book. You know, And I'm thinking, oh, this doesn't make any sense. It looks like everything here is science fiction, but it says it's not. It says it's exploring and investigating an event that happened in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947, something I'd never heard of at the time. And I thought, you know, this is confusing, but it looks interesting. So being that it looked like it was blurring that or trying to blur that black line between reality and fantasy, I bought the book. And it was UFO Crash at Roswell. That was the name of the book. Um, I read it on the plane, went through quite a bit of it on the plane, 10 hours time. Uh, any downtime I had there in Alaska, I'd pick it back up and try to finish it real quick. Got through it by the time I got back from the trip. All that did was just open up a can of questions for me that seemed like there was no depth to. Um, I had to figure out what was going on here because, like I said, it was confusing me to blur that line between reality and fiction. And these guys had done that for sure. So I started looking around to see if I could find somebody to help answer my questions. About a week after being back from the trip, there was a show on the local news. They were advertising uh, local businesses during the local news time. Uh, they do every day they do a, a new business somewhere. And it happened to be that I caught this one where they're advertising a couple that's opened up a UFO museum on International Drive in downtown Orlando. That's where all the tourism is, uh, where Disney is and Universal Studios and all that. Uh, SeaWorld, they're all down there. So he picked the right place, you know, to open this up. And they were showing that the museum was like a, a walkthrough um, museum with all sorts of stuff that he had collected and articles that he had made and, you know, framed to put up there. It was like a walkthrough history of the UFO phenomenon. And I thought, I need to go see this thing. And I made a trip over on a Saturday to check it out. And I got to talk to the guy, um, Jim and Mary were their name. And I got to talking to Jim and 
you know, I had questions for him afterwards. But the museum was awesome. The walk through museum. You had I mean it would just update you to whatever that was at that time uh on the UFO phenomenon. He had a really good collection to put together for educating people about UFOs and aliens uh that had been in the news and writings and everything else. But I knew I was gonna have to make more trips over and talk to this guy. And I did. Um we got to be good friends, and then he finally realized, he says, hey, you look like uh, you got a pretty good interest in this stuff. And I said, uh, yeah. He said, uh, how would you like to do the research yourself instead of relying on others? And I said, well, how do you go about doing that? And he says, well, there's an organization I belong to called the Mutual UFO Network. They're the largest UFO grassroots, uh, meaning public people like us, uh, not-for-profit organization in the world, been around since 1969. Um, and they collect and follow up on sighting reports and try to find out what this phenomenon is. And I thought, well, that'd be interesting. I said, what all do they do? And they said, well, when sighting reports come in, uh, investigators that we've trained up will go out and follow up on the reports, gather as much information as possible, and then MUFON puts them into a huge database where they're able to query amongst the different reports over the years, looking for things that are common and to try to get answers to all of this. So I thought I'd like to do that. So he introduced me to MUFON. I became a member, um, went through the training with him and took the test for field investigator. And that enabled me to go out and do uh, investigations, you know, that came about and I moved up real quick through them. And then he got to the point where he said, you know, there's no group over there, chapter over in your county. Because he was in Orange County and I was in Brevard County over on the Space Coast where the Kennedy Space Center is located. And he said, you know, you might ought to think of opening up your own chapter over there. Set it up. You know, hold your monthly meetings, you know, in a library or something like that for free. Um, train you up some field investigators under you. Let the police and the sheriff's department and emergency services let them know, and newspapers too, that if anything comes in, people report stuff, we're the people that can take those reports and investigate them. You know, because they surely don't want to do them. They don't have time for that. Uh, so we did. I went through the process and I trained up, you know, four or five really good investigators working under me. We had monthly meetings, people meeting at the library with us. We share information and listen to what they had to share. Um, you put a UFO sign on a, on a door of a room and say, UFO meeting free to public. They're going to show up. You're going to huh. get people for sure. Yeah. You're going to get people and you're going to get a strange group of people, all kinds. Uh, they'll have interesting stories. And they did. The one thing that was strange though was uh some of them were coming looking for answers and they thought we had the answers that we were the professionals that had answers but it was actually <laughs> our intent was the other way around you know we didn't have any answers that's what we were looking for and we were hoping that they could give us answers you know so we ended up building a good rapport between people that were coming and, and ourselves as MUFON investigators and we started listening intently to their experiences. And some of them were quite out there. Um, there was one group that we were listening to that 
uh, I'd have to say that they were very distraught people. Um, it's like they were suffering from a form of PTSD from their experiences. They weren't happy at all, let me put it that way. And they were looking for anything to help them stop these experiences from happening. Because the so-called abduction experience, which is what I'm talking about now, is what they believe they had gone through. And it was happening against their will, and it was happening without them knowing it was going to happen. They never knew when it would pop up. So this is something that definitely would rattle anybody's cage, you know, to have things like this happen to you. And the stories that they were telling us that they were having memories from their experiences were pretty horrific. Uh, granted, there were those that did come and were telling us stories about um, non-horrific experiences where they were giving messages, given messages to share with the world that they'd been chosen, that they were special, that they were to be emissaries for these beings. Um, and the messages were usually about protecting our planet. We've got to stop doing all this damage. Uh, we've got to learn to live in peace. You know, it was always all about protecting God's creation. Um, but at the same time, I learned later, the messages had alternative motives. Um, but the people that were having the distraught experiences, the horrific experiences, those are the ones I focused in on. Because if there was anything I could do to help these people, I would be glad to, you know. Um, so we focused our, our research on them. And my thinking was, and I shared it with my fellow investigators, my, my thinking was, here we are as MUFON investigators chasing after the fact UFO sightings. And it's the same thing over and over and over. It's like chasing our a dog chasing his tail. You never get to the answer. It's like, you know, a carrot on a stick. Um, but these people, if they're telling the truth, then to me, they were frontline because not only were they seeing craft, they were in the craft. They were having contact with the pilots of these crafts, with the beings on the craft. So to me, that's where the focus needed to be. That's why you call this encounters, See, close encounters of the fourth kind, fourth which kind. is which is something that, you know, movies have been done about this, that mm -hmm. we haven't actually experienced that yet. But you're saying this has been going on for a long time. Long time. Um, yeah, we, we bounced around a, a title for the group. The reason we separated and formed a second group was MUFON had no parameters for investigating abductions. Um, they were looking, they were all about the scientific investigation of UFOs. They did not feel that there was a way to scientifically investigate an abduction experience. So they kind of stayed away from it at the time. They knew it had something to do with it, but they weren't really set up. They had one gentleman, a uh, psychologist that was working at the time, uh, John Carpenter, who was their representative with abductions back then um, and doing the best he could, you know, as a MUFON member and handling that part of it with um, his regression sessions with the uh, different ones that he'd been able to be in contact with. 
so we realized that we couldn't really do this as MUFON representatives. So we decided to set up a separate entity, uh, a group, but we agreed that we would make all of our information public so that it could be available for peer review if anybody wanted to look at it. And it always has been. I've always had the testimonies out there for people to see. At this time, I'm still an agnostic humanist. Mm. Well, as we started listening to these people, um, the experiencers, abduction experiencers, I also was able to grasp that they had some kind of, um, they've been given some kind of hope from different groups out there. And I, I wanted to know what they were offering. And I had to explore that. And as I did, I found that this was mostly coming from the New Age metaphysical realm. That people were offering them all sorts of crazy stuff to try and help them stop their experiences or live with it or whatever. Because they didn't have any choices. The, the only choices available were maybe some um, group study groups, you know, where they can come together with other experiencers and talk about and share their stories. But what good is that? Who wants to boo-hoo about everybody else's stories? Doesn't help you stop it, you know? So that was kind of worthless. So they moved on to the new age. Uh, what do you call that? Snake oil salesman <laughs> for, for hope. And there was it was a false hope. But they were longing for something. And that's what was getting my attention, that longing for something. And as I started to explore that, that new age metaphysical realm, I guess that was at that time that I realized I must have been missing something too, because it sure attracted, was attractive to me. I realized this new age metaphysical realm was almost like a religion, but not in the religious sense that I had grown up with, you know, um, biblical religious sense. It was, it was different. It was like, there was no one God that they were teaching that we were all vying to be our own God, you know? And I thought that's strange. And there were so many bizarre things that I started to learn in there that uh, I just had to explore it and, and to see what the connection was with the abductees. And as I did, down that rabbit hole I went. And I spent about four years into New Age practicing, but still doing the research that I'd been doing all along. But what this had given me was a second perspective to look at the phenomenon from, because I started into this looking at this as an, through the eyes of uh, an agnostic humanist. But once I stepped over and started becoming a new age practitioner, now I was seeing it through the eyes of a new age practitioner, totally different perspective. And about four years into that, and it came to about 1996, Still wasn't getting any answers on all of this, just still gathering information. It was in 1996 that things changed. Um, that was a 
very busy year for us. And I had a couple dark cases I was working on that were very different. They seemed to be a little sinister. Well, at the same time, I had a, a girl I was dating that was working with us in our research, our abduction research. And I needed her bad in the abduction research and glad she wanted to work with us because most of the cases we were coming across were female. And the stories they had to tell were pretty disturbing and sexual in nature. Well, instead of me having to sit in a room and listen to that, you know, do an interview by myself, putting myself at risk, um, she was able to do that and help us out. And the interesting thing about our relationship was here, I'm a crystal rolling new ager, uh, the term Gary Bates used in his book. <laughs> and uh, she was professing Christian. As uh, long as we didn't talk about politics and religion, we were fine. And uh, we were fine. We had a good time. And she felt that I was getting pretty worn down. She sat me down. She says, I think you need some protection in what you're dealing with. And I said, uh, oh, I got protection. And I pulled out my crystals out of my pocket and showed them to her. I said, this one's for this and this one's for this. You know, I had all the protection I thought I could purchase and carry on me. And uh, she says, no, that's not the protection I'm talking about. I think you need something more than that. And I said, what are you talking about? And she reaches, we were at her place at the time, and she reaches over and hands me a Bible. And I said, oh, no, 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 we talked about this. That's not part of all of this, and it's not going to come between us. And she says, I think the answers are in here for what you need for protection. And I said, no, we talked about this. Then she pulls the wild card out on me and says, you know, I've listened to you tell, I don't know how many people that you're the most objective, open-minded investigator there is. And I said, I am. Oh, so you'll take a look at this? So she had me. So I had to... Uh, Take some time. And I said, show me what you got. And in those next few moments, the words that came out of her mouth were just so amazing. Because, you know, I mentioned I did grow up in a church. But I walked away from it. I never accepted it, you know, for reality. But I'd heard enough. I'd heard a lot. I'd heard the gospel message. But never like what came out of her mouth at that time in that moment and something came over me that let me know that this was absolute peace i mean it was like all the struggles and stress just lifted right off and i was just covered in this peace envelope of peace and i thought wow i'd like to have that protection and she says, you can. And here's how. And she led me to Christ right there in her living room. And I said, okay, now what? And she says, well, we move on as believers. I said, okay. Well, I didn't think at the time that maybe I shouldn't be investigating UFOs anymore. Matter of fact, my lead investigator, he was a professing Christian. And uh, he didn't think there was anything to investigating UFOs as a Christian. So I didn't think anything about it. 
But I did bring up to him that, uh, oh, by the way, I got baptized the next weekend in my parents' church. Uh, that was a, a great thing for them to know that I wasn't going to be lost forever. Um, but I, I talked to my lead investigator. I said, you know what? I, and he worked out at the Space Center at the time. And he had some friends, he Christians he worked with out there too. I said, you know, I'd really like to know what being a Christian is. I said, I could probably sit through, a, you know, 50 years of Sundays and learn. But I want to know now. I want to know what it is that I am claiming to be now. What is it to be a Christian? And he says, oh, I'm glad you brought that up. He says, I got this friend I work with that uh, he's got this awesome Bible study program he talks about. And uh, it's VHS. This is still 96, remember? And he says, uh, we can go through this course. It's uh, VHS, two-hour tapes. There's 14 of them. We can take a couple of weeks and do them at his place, you know, in the evenings. And I said, well, interesting, because next month I got two weeks off from my job. We shut down our plant every year, two weeks to do maintenance and stuff. So I've got two weeks off that we can go, we can do this. So we went through, started into the study program in, uh, during Christmas and New Year's. And fascinating studies. The guy was good. And uh, we got about the third or fourth night, and I'm sitting there on the couch, and uh, they're in two chairs. And the guy comes on, he says, you know, this lesson's going to be about spiritual warfare. And I'd never heard that term before. And, but it sounded cool. You know, I thought, oh, this will be interesting. And he starts off with a verse and out of Scripture. And that was out of Ephesians, New Testament, chapter 6, verse 12. And he's, I'm sitting there going, all right, let's go. And uh, he, he starts into it and he goes, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. I didn't get halfway through that verse with him. And it just droned out. And I'm watching straight forward to the TV. And right in front of my face, an alien gray appears. Uh, an alien gray appears, a vision of an alien gray right in front of my face as he's reading this scripture. And it starts to morph into the most horrific thing I had ever seen. And I didn't know why I was seeing this. And I said, stop the video. And they kind of jumped back and they're going, what? And I said, you're not going to believe what I just saw. And I explained to them what I, the best I could what I saw. And they're like, wow. And I said, yeah, wow. I said, I spent four years in the New Age looking for a vision. Never got it. And here I become a believer and I get a vision? What is that about? You know, you guys didn't tell me anything about that. And I said, my feeling from this is I just got shown what this really is. I don't want to be part of this UFO stuff anymore. I think this is something that we should have never been part of. I don't think it's for Christians. And I think I'm going to focus more on what it is to be a Christian than I'm going to do on this UFO stuff. I think I'm about ready to close this down, the UFO stuff down. And my partner, um, my fellow researcher with me, investigator, he said, you know what? I agree with you. Let's do that. 
So we stopped everything, but a couple of weeks went by and I get this small, still voice. And I'm like, what is that? And it's like more weird stuff. And it was, you're not done. And I, I kept hearing, you're not done. What do you mean I'm not done? If you're talking about the UFO stuff, Lord, I'm done. I promise. I'm not going to do it anymore. And I thought, you know, okay, it's gone. That, that's it. A little while later, you're not done. And I said, I am done. Come on. You know, testing me here? What is this? I talked to my partner about it. He didn't understand it. And then the next one message was, take this back to where you came from. And I thought, you must be talking about now that I know the truth, take it back to the new age people. Yeah, like that's going to work, you know. Um, they don't believe anything that has to do with Christianity. I said, that's not going to work. I said, you want me to take something back to them? You've got to give me something more than the word of God because these people don't believe the word of God, you know. And plus, nobody told me not to talk back to God like that either. <laughs> as, but as a new believer, I didn't know any better. And I thought, all right, that, that took care of that. Nope, here it comes again. You already have what you need. So I talked to my partner again about that, and he goes, you already have what you need. Is he talking about the testimonies? Because we used to film all the testimonies we did when we interviewed people. So we went back and looked at a bunch of them, and then there was this one that jumped out at us. As we're listening to it, this gentleman that was coming to the meetings and talked about being an experiencer, he worked at Kennedy Space Center. He actually had an experience while he was working out there. Uh, yeah. And saw UFOs and other stuff, too. Um, but we're listening to him tell his story, and he leads into it about there was disturbances and lights over the trees, you know, across from his house before he went to bed. And then during that night when he went to bed, he's in an experience. And he's, he realizes what's happening. And then the experience turns really, really horrific. He says he, he was held up what felt like a pole shoved up his rectum. And he was in very severe pain, like he'd been impaled. And he said the only thing he could think of doing was, because he was a new believer himself going to this church his wife introduced him to, the only thing he remembered to do was what they told him to do was, if you're ever in need, call out to Jesus. He's there for you. So he cries out, Jesus, 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 or Jesus, help me. And instantly he wakes up in the bed. And I said, you remember listening to this? He says, I don't. So whatever happened that time, six months before when we interviewed him, my partner and I, neither one of us caught what happened. It's like it wasn't time for us yet. Uh, we weren't looking for anything like that. We were looking for anything but that. Because all the researchers in the research realm, the leading researchers were saying abductions could not be stopped. So that's probably why we missed it. But under the eyes of Christianity now, a new perspective, my third perspective, I was able to see it and hear it. So I said, 
if he's telling the truth, we've got something huge here. Or if he's hoaxing it, we've got nothing. But if it's true, this is huge because this goes against everything the top researchers are saying. So I contacted those top researchers, as many as I could get a hold of, by phone. Before cell phones, you had to get their landline and call them. I shared a story with them. I asked, you know, hey, can I share this with you? I don't know what to make of it. Sure, tell me what you got. So I'd shared a story with them, and every time, once I finished, they'd say the same thing. Can we go off the record from here? And I'm going, sure. That means I can tell you what they said, but not who said it, which is all you need anyway. So I said, help me out. What, are, what am I dealing with here? And they all said, we've come across cases very similar to this, where people have uh, cried out to Jesus, cried out to God, hummed a, hummed a hymn, said a prayer, quoted scripture, but different things like that, and the experience stopped. And I went, wait a minute. You are the guys that say you can't stop an abduction experience. I said, why is it you're not sharing this with everybody else? And they said, well, we didn't know what to make of it. And, you know, I'd have been fine with that. I just said, okay, I'm going to go see what I can figure out. But you know what? I don't know if it was their guilt or their conscience or what, but they always had to answer with a second answer. We were afraid to go there because it might affect our credibility in the realm. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, that's a cover-up. They got the truth, but they don't want to give it because it might affect their credibility. Hmm. That's a pride thing for sure. So I told them, I said, look, guys, I work hard for a living. I'm probably always going to have to. I am a researcher. You've now shared with me that there are other cases like this out there that you can't post. I can. I'm going to take this piece of the puzzle and I'm going to pursue it and I'm going to make it available for peer review. And they all said the same thing. Please do because we can't. Those researchers have never come against my work in all the 30 years that I've done this. Others that I didn't talk to, they come sometimes violently against my work, especially vocally. Um, and why do you think that is? Um, it's, it's a game changer. It changes the picture of the puzzle. And I don't think they want that. I think for whatever purposes, they don't want that picture changed, you know, because they would have to deal with it then. And I think that's something they don't want to deal with. This leads to a whole nother aspect of this UFO realm. So now that I know that there were other cases that I could back up what I'd found, I went looking for them. I put myself out there as looking for those cases. They started coming in. It wasn't long before I had 50. It wasn't long before I had 100, 200. After 30 years of this working, I've got over 600 cases, testimonies. Mm. 
where people have testified being able to stop this experience the name and authority of Jesus Christ. So you say 600 testimonies of people who have experienced an alien abduction, which they've stopped by saying the name of Jesus Christ. Or a personal relationship with him. So why were they having the alien abduction experience in the first place if they were already professing Christians? No, they weren't professing Christians. Some of them Mm. were, but not all of them. The first guy you talked about, you said he... Yeah, was brand new a, believer. A brand new believer, so he still had some well inroads this, to the, yeah. the new age, I guess. Okay, keep in mind the leading, all the leading researchers are asking, um, "How do we stop this? Can it be stopped?" Mm-hmm. Okay, their answer is no. They don't know. Um, the other big question, sixty-four thousand dollar question, is why does this happen to certain people? Mm-hmm. Well, working with as many cases as I'd worked with, um, I was kind of able to put that together. And it's not just one answer. It's one answer or a combination of one of three answers. The first answer I got is people ask for the experience. And you're thinking probably, why would anybody do that? Because... Curiosity kills the cat. Um, Do people actually ask for an experience? Uh, Yes, I did. And uh, be careful what you ask for. Somebody's listening. Be specific who you're asking to. Believe me. Don't just leave it wide open. Well, I've got an open mind. Uh, That's not a good thing, really. An open mind means anybody can dump in it. You know, and you don't want to be dumped in. You want the right stuff put in there. Okay. The second one was, and probably the biggest group, I think, I think, I'm not sure. Could be number three. But the second group is people unknowingly open the door. And what I found is there was always a connection prior to the experience with the occult or the paranormal or the new age or metaphysics anything that god says in his word do not mess with okay that's where that group fits in a lot of people fit in that group because they don't know what they're not supposed to mess with they don't read the bible the third one was i had it puzzled me for a while because I had to figure out where that was coming from. But I had adults coming to me saying, I don't fit those first two. And I say, why not? They said, because I remember having these experiences since I was a little child. I went, okay, that changes things up. So it took me a while. And I said, this has got to be something in scripture about this. And I found it, but I needed to validate it. So I went back and I started re-interviewing a lot of the experiencers that said they had the experience started as a child. And I said, I'm not going to talk about your experience. I want to talk about your family life that you remember from childhood. Lo and behold, the open door was with the parents every time. 
And scripture talks about that. Scripture in God's word, God is telling us that the head of the church is Jesus. The head of the family spiritually is the man. The man is to have the spiritual covering over his family. If he does not, those children are as susceptible to the arrows and the wiles of the enemy, the devil, as they are to him. It's very important, the covering you keep over your children. Very important. Mm -hmm. And I saw this in every aspect. Most of the ones that have recollection of children being as a child, having experiences, a lot of different abuse going on in the family on top of that. Um, over and over you see that. So answers, three different, three different types. I answered to two of those, unknowingly dabbling, but at the same time I had asked for it. When I had my experience itself, God, I remember prior to that, just I used to visit different UFO groups that were in the area, you know, as uh, the MUFON representative, give them updates on MUFON stuff. I used to visit one up in Edgewater, north of me, where close to Daytona, about 45 minute drive. And I used to shoot up 95, go to the meeting, come back late at night, window down, stars everywhere cruising down I-95 on my pickup truck with my head out the window, yelling out, show me something, show me something, you know? Yeah, I was asking for it. And, uh, yeah, they gave it to me too. Now, do I have a recollection of a memory of an experience in depth? No, I don't. I don't care to because I know what it did to me. Uh, it came in the middle of the night, about 2.30 in the morning. I was sleeping alone at home in my room. Um, I was also into, right at that time, um, I had a love for guns, weapons. My dad always did. So I had a lot of weaponry in my room at the time, and most of them were loaded. No good to have a gun that's not loaded. It's just a stick then. So... Here, I'm startled awake at 2.30 in the morning by a presence in the room. I mean, I shot straight up out of dead sleep. And the, 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 the adrenaline was just pumping. I mean, it was, you know, fight or flight. And I, could, I had nowhere to go. I was in a small room with a door closed. My next thing was fight. And I was ready to reach for any one of those weapons. But I'm trying to get a view on what's in the room, and I can't see anything. But it, I'm just spiking with adrenaline. It's incredible rush of adrenaline I was on at that moment. At the same time, I realized that I had just got this dump of information into me, into my mind. And I was trying to grasp what it was. It was like it was, it was just you know, coming down into my brain and I'm trying to stop it long enough to catch and see what it was. But it was the weirdest feeling. And then, boom, it was over. 
but I still got this rush of adrenaline going and I'm like, what was this? You know, I had a new age friend that I had come across and was talking to right about same time. I wasn't in the new age at this time. This is not yet. This is right before I, this is what walked me into it. I fell in love with this little framing store, picture framing store. Not just because they frame pictures, but they had all sorts of posters and pictures in there that you could buy and have them frame, custom frame, so you could put in your home. And they had some really neat pictures. And i never forget going in there and looking at this huge picture of Stonehenge with uh, the moon over top of it, you know, at night. And I thought, wow, it's really awesome. And then that's how I met the gal working there. And... Uh, First time that she come over behind me, snuck up behind me and says, how do you feel about that? And got me into these, all these crazy questions, you know. And uh, she was trying to see if I was connecting or not. And I didn't understand what was happening, but I realized she was kind of those new agey type. But I got to go back and visit and talk to her, you know, a lot and became good friends with her. And then when this experience happened, I said, who am I going to tell? Who's going to believe this? Ah, I can talk to her. I hadn't slept all night. I was just pumped with adrenaline, you know, like I'd been on a, you know, an eight ball of cocaine or something and couldn't get it to wear off. It was like, this is insane. I don't know what this is, but I had to just tell somebody. So when I got to the mall, I walk in there and she's talking to somebody at the counter. So I'm like, you know, Anson in the back, wait to get up front to talk to her and tell her. So I get up closer, you know, hoping this lady's about to finish. And this lady's in the process of sharing picture after picture after picture about her trip to Machu Picchu, you know, and I'm going, ah, oh, come on, how many pictures do you got? You know, and then right in the middle of that, as I'm thinking that, this lady turns around, don't know her from, from Adam. She turns around, looks me right in the face and says, you've awakened, haven't you? And I went back and I went, oh, that's wild. And the girl behind the counter, she looks at me and she goes, is this true? And I said, uh, well, I don't know what you want to call it, but I had one heck of an experience last night. That was my introduction to the new age. Mm. And that's, I, I let me tell you something. That experience was so transforming. I believed in my heart that I had just had the born again experience that I had watched so many people talk about having when I was growing up. The elation and joy and everything that they talked about being born again that I had heard as a child from people walking that aisle given their life to Jesus Christ. This was everything that they had told me about. So I was excited to finally be able to tell my mom that I was finally born again. And of course, she's questioned me like, when did that happen? Where, what church did you go to? And I said, no, mom, it ain't like that. You know, this is it. You know, and I'm trying to share it with her. You know, and she's just praying away for me. 
and uh, thought I'd gone over the edge big time. But you know, when I actually had that experience, when I gave my life to Christ, it confirmed the power that the enemy has to give you a counterfeit born-again experience. He can do that. And it was the true experience was nothing like the counterfeit. And the counterfeit didn't last. The download of information, every time I would learn something new or be exposed to something new in the new age, it's like, ah, oh, I knew that, you know? And I'd be able to just rattle on about it. That's how the download worked. It would only confirm I knew something when I it was familiar to, with me and it would cause me to talk about it because somebody else brought it up. Otherwise, I couldn't bring it up on my own. So after four years, it like it ran out of information. And it was perfect timing for me to come to Jesus. Do you think your experience then with the New Age and then also these abduction experiences that you have researched, all of this information that you've gathered, is this essentially, do you think, when, when God said to you, you're not done, mm -hmm. to expose the truth behind this whole UFO movement? You say on your, on your, uh, your page that uh, for the CE4 research, you basically talk about the fact that the following information may change your preconceived notion of the true nature of alien abductions and UFOs. But this is really, in getting back to Ephesians 6, this yep. is a spiritual war. Yep. This is a spiritual issue. This, this is very different. To, yeah. Yes, there's no physical, there's no physical being that we'll be fighting against. It's spiritual that we'll be fighting against. Where does this, now you've just written a book called Piercing, Piercing the, the Cosmic the Veil. Mm -hmm. You shall not be afraid of the dark by night. Taken from Psalms 91. What's the main message of the book? What's the main it's, thing you want to get out? It's exactly what I'm sharing here. That what, you, what we're seeing in, in the appearance of alien and alien technology and alien abduction experiences is not what you think it is. And I can tell you that I believe it's this or I believe it's that. Everybody's got an opinion on what they believe it is. But nobody has evidence to su support their belief. I bring you the evidence. And that's what my research has been after for 25 years, is gathering that evidence. And I believe the most powerful evidence in the world today to show the true nature behind the alien abduction experience and the UFO phenomenon are these testimonies that I've been able to bring together. Testimonies of a life changed from these horrific experiences and from the deception and delusion involved with them by the name and authority and a relationship with Jesus Christ. That makes you raise that red flag and go, wait a minute, why would that work? Why would aliens respond to Jesus Christ? Maybe they're not aliens. Because they respond to no other name like Jesus Christ. They will mimic 
the ability, but they will not terminate the experience from your life like a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything points to these entities being deceptive demonic spirits. The message that they bring is anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-creation, anti-Jesus. And that brings another red flag that you want to hold up and say, wait a minute, why is that? Why would they bring that message? And I'm going, that's a good question. Because with all the different belief systems on this planet, these aliens come all the way here to tell us only one is wrong. When none of those others teach the same thing. Now, let me make something clear. There's actually only two belief systems on this planet. One is those that believe Jesus Christ is who he is. Is God come in the flesh? And all of the others that don't. That's why they're here preaching that message. Everything I see here, I try to line up with biblical scripture to make sure that I'm seeing the right thing, that God told me the truth. It's going to have to line up with his word if that's where the source came from that showed me that vision that day, if that was true. And everything I've come across has backed that up. I have found answer after answer after answer that fits this better than any of the two perspectives that I looked through before. I'm one of the rare people in research that's had an opportunity to look at something from three different perspectives and it's only this one from a christian perspective that answers everything are people actually being abducted by aliens many people that in that have the experience and many researchers believe yes they are they're being taken to ships they're being experimented on my research shows otherwise as i started getting deeper and deeper into the case studies and looking at them and looking at what other researchers were saying. They, the other researchers who use hypnotic regression talk about coming across blocks in the memory. Well, Gary Bates and I looked at this and Gary had an idea. He said, you know, listening to these testimonies is like listening to somebody who's come out of a hypnotic stage act that volunteered to go up on stage and let the guy work with him. And I got to thinking on that and say, well, how do we verify that that's what's happening here? So I went back. I don't use hypnotic regression ever. As a researcher in UFOs, as a researcher and investigator in my safety profession, I learned how to ask the right questions to get to the root of what's going on. You just keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper with the questions. Don't just settle for what they're saying. So I went back and I re-questioned a lot of the testimonials. And I said, look, we're going to do some different questions on your experience. But I have a lot of questions now about your experience. And I want you to help me with it. I'll see if we can get to them. 
So the way this works is, is I give an example. If, if I was going to do this with you, I'd say, let's pick your birthday, your last birthday. You know what you did on your last birthday. You remember it. You remember the sensational things, the things that are important to you. They're on the front of your mind. Okay, that's the first thing you'll tell me. Well, as I take notes and I'll look at certain things you said and I'll say, all right, let's take that piece you talked about. Let's go deeper. You know, I'll ask you, was it inside or outside? Just say, what was outside? If it was outside, you remember, what was the temperature? Was it hot? Was it cold? Were you, were you in the grass? Were you on concrete? You know, all these different questions get more detail. That's where the problems came up. The only things that were in the memory were the sensational, important things for the story. It's like if you went to a play and you're sitting in the audience watching a play and they're changing the scene. Well, everybody's taking a break. They're changing the scene. Here comes a couch. Here comes a chair. Here comes an end table with a lamp. Here comes a coffee table. Oh, this is going to be a living room scene. And they put in a couple bare walls, one with a fake window and one with a fake picture. Is that what your living room looks like? No, it's probably more detailed than that. But that's all the detail they needed for you to understand you're looking at a living room scene. This is how this works. This is how they're doing this experience on people. They're implanting a spiritual experience during the sleep state. And they're giving you the story like a play. You only remember the sensational, horrific things that happened to you. It's all it takes to convince you that you were actually taken to a ship. You don't need the rest of the information. Because these believers will tell you, I know what happened to me. No, they really don't. So, how is this happening? This is the same thing that we see on that stage show. It's through suggestion. If man can suggest people to do things that they would not do normally, like stand on stage and cluck like a chicken in front of 10,000 people, what more could these beings do to us and the abilities that they have, these angelic beings, especially if they have bad intent? Not only that, keep in mind that memories of these, this experience is always when, after they wake up. Always. These are memories that normally you would say are a dream. But they're more powerful than a dream. Best example I've ever seen for... The truth in your face, but we don't accept it because it's Hollywood did it. Hollywood's got a good record of doing that. <laughs> Show us something that's actual truth, but we don't believe it because ah, it's just Hollywood. You know, 
And they use that in reverse, too, like the movie The Fourth Kind. They told us it was the truth, that it was an actual documentary on a, on a you know, from, from stuff that happened. But it wasn't. It was all a lie. But in this case, best example ever of an abduction experience of what I'm trying to share with you. You ever see the movie The Matrix? Of course, yes. Of course, we all have. In The Matrix, when Neo, first time he goes to the submarine, and they lay him on that recliner bed table thing, and they plug him into the back of his head. Instantly, Neo's in a white space. Right. Very similar to what you just said, yeah. What starts showing up? furniture and then morpheus shows up okay now my question is where's neo he's still where he was he's still where he was this is exactly how these entities work it's all done in the mind remember Paul talked about that, the warfare being in the mind. This is exactly where the warfare is taking place during the alien abduction. In the mind. Next week, veteran alien abduction researcher Joe Jordan will tell us why this phenomenon is happening in our day and how it's preparing the masses worldwide to accept a great UFO delusion in the very near future. You won't want to miss part two of Piercing the Cosmic Veil right here on Our Creator Calls. A voice, a voice calling in your wilderness. When I accepted that Jesus is the truth that I had been seeking and the only way to eternal life, I was forever changed. In that moment, Jesus rescued me out of the kingdom of darkness and delivered me into his kingdom of glorious light. He truly set this captive free. So what about you? Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. When you're ready to receive Jesus as your Savior, just talk to him. He's waiting for you with open arms. Our Creator calls. Are you listening? There is one love. One truth, one way to know. When you turn to the sun, all darkness must go. A voice, a voice calling in your wilderness.